0: We're in a a series um, looking at uh, prayer, and I want today to look at prayer as the fuel for mission. Um, The passage we're looking at today is uh, Matthew chapter nine, verses 35 to 38. We read, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your living word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is hope and life. It gives us light and guidance on how to live a full life. And Jesus, we just ask now that you'd open our hearts, our minds, our ears to see and understand and to obey your word, which is as powerful today, Lord, as it was when it was first written. So, Lord, make us not just hearers, but doers of your word. Come, Holy Spirit, help us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. So prayer is the fuel uh, for mission. Um, Back in the summer, I attended uh, a conference up in Sheffield called Firestarters. And this was a conference uh, for those churches that desire to grow in mission. Now that's not growth through transfer growth of people moving from one church to another, although that obviously happens this is for those churches that wish to see people come to know christ and be baptized and be added to the church and uh, the team that led the conference were all sort of leaders of growing churches that is churches that are growing by people coming to know jesus being baptized and being added to the church so it's really exciting Um, we hear so much today in our culture about church decline, don't we? You read the newspapers and they often talk about the empty pew, the decline uh, of various denominations. So to be part of a conference where story after story, testimony after testimony was about people coming to faith was to say the least thrilling and exciting. And I came away thinking, I wanna be part of a church like that. And I believe that that heart is in this church. I see it in prayer meetings. I see it in conversations with, with you. There is a heart, a passion to see growth in this church. which is So that excites me. And you know, there's a massive link between prayer and growth. You're going to go, you, well, we don't need a theology degree to know that. <laughs> but actually, it's really important for us to realize that Do you know, there are seven key principles of churches that are growing through conversions. Seven keys. You might think it's some amazing strategy imported from the States or some program or book. No, it's not. Do you know what it is? It's prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting are the key to growing churches. Let me quote from the research of Firestarters. Let me quote. These churches have outrageously prioritized prayer because the God who is the king is also our father. He both listens as a parent and acts as a sovereign. Growth in mission is a spiritual battle before it is anything else. Do you hear that? The intensity of prayer and fasting is especially found in the leaders of growing churches. You can't argue with that. That is national research. So it's not primarily about strategies or copying the church down the road. It's about prayer and fasting. It's about winning the battle in the heavenly realm so that the mission on the ground is successful. You can't argue with the research, it's there. So we have a vision as a church to see our children and families work grow, right? We want to see this place filled with a range of ages. I love churches that are full of different ages don't you Isn't that the vision babies crying people in their 100 plus we we have one member who's not able to come anymore but she's 102 still visit her in the nursing home so we have a we have 102 I don't think we can top that But wouldn't it be great if we reflected the age profile and racial profile of our local community? Wouldn't that be great? Hallelujah. Um, There are a lot more families out there in the community than there are in here, all right? You know that. So we need to pray that God would break in and win the spiritual battle. Prayer is the answer, right? Yes, strategy is important, there are things we need to do, Um, I'm in conversation with uh, a children's worker over at um, uh, New Life Baptist Church, she works for uh, Power Pack, which is a professional sort of children, and and we're going to get her to come and work with us in January. There are things we can do, but you know prayer is number one. Priority. If we don't pray, you can have all the strategies and experts you like in the world. You will not see growth. Um, last Sunday evening, um, we had a prayer meeting, um, 7 o'clock, where we prayed for growth in families and children. Previously, in a prayer meeting, um, we'd had a, uh, there'd been a picture of a, a giant key shared, all right? There it is, on, on, um, not that particular one, but it was, it was, uh, that was one I found on Google Images. We prayed into this and we discerned together that the Holy Spirit is the key who unlocks power and growth in the life of the church. And the reason that I've picked a picture where there's a few people carrying that giant key is that that's a picture of the church coming together in unity to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit to see breakthrough in growth, right? That's what the people praying discerned. It wasn't my, it's not my idea, okay? This came from the Holy Spirit, from the people in the prayer meeting. Um. I like prayer meetings when God gives pictures and prophecy and stuff. It's fun. Do you like those? You should come. You should come. Because God shows up in prayer meetings. And you can come now. If you're working during the day, you can come once a month on a Sunday. So our next one is the 4th of December, Sunday evening, in there, 7 o'clock. Okay? So be there or be square. so significant that we come together in unity to pray that's what the church in the Acts did do you, do you notice how many times the church are together in the book of Acts in the early chapters they were together Luke keeps telling us they were together praying again and again and again and again and do you know what God shows up again and again and again So you need to show up to the prayer meetings, right? As a priority. And I don't say that because I'm putting a guilt trip on you. I'm putting it because this is scripture, right? So we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would open blind eyes, unstop deaf ears and soften hard hearts. So that people who attend our community groups, like toddler groups and Emerge parents, want to come to church. Um, the other thing that I somebody shared with me was, I shared a passage last Sunday evening where, um, in Mark's gospel where it says that people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. And somebody said the obvious to me that I hadn't seen before, they said, do you know the parents wanted to bring their kids to Jesus. I thought, yeah, wow. So. They said, maybe we should be praying that the parents of the toddler groups and Emerge would want to bring their kids to church to meet and encounter Jesus. Obvious, I hadn't seen it, it's brilliant. We ought to pray because this is a battle. There's somebody who's keeping people away, he's called Satan. There's somebody who's blinding people's eyes, it's Satan. There's somebody who's stopping up people's ears, it's Satan. There's someone who's hardening people's hearts to not want to engage and come. He's called Satan. And how do we win the battle? We pray. So when you come to the prayer meeting, right? (laughs) On Sunday the 4th of December, 7 o'clock, Or when you come, if if you're not working and you come week by week on a Monday at 9.30, which is open to everybody, even those on the internet, we need to pray that as toddler parents are invited to church, and they are on a regular basis, that they would want to come because that's a spiritual battle, all right? Only the Holy Spirit can win that battle. Only prayer can win that battle. We need to pray for the all-age Christmas service on the 18th of December. That's fun, isn't it? I love these all-age services we're having. They're brilliant, because everybody gets involved, don't they? You lot are all crawling around on the floor, (laughs) doing stupid stuff, and it's hilarious. It's a great, joyful, happy, unified atmosphere in the room i love those more lord he says pray that parents and children from emerge that's our monday night youth group kingdom tots who let the dads out would want to attend and would come it's a spiritual battle how do we win the battle we win it in prayer You see, the order of prayer first before we do mission is modelled by Jesus in this passage. Matthew 10 comes after Matthew 9, the last time I looked, right? Now I say that because in Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the disciples to do mission. But at the end of chapter 9, he says, ask that the Lord of the harvest would to send out workers into his harvest field. In other words, pray first, before you go and do mission. And then, once they've asked the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, then, do you know, I always wonder here if the disciples are thinking, you know, they're praying, Lord, send so-and-so over there, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Lord, we pray for your anointing on this guy over here, that you would send him out into the mission field. And then Jesus goes, to the disciples, I'm sending you. You've just prayed and now you're going. Um, Now, don't hear me wrong. It's okay to pray for a few families to join the church. All right, we should. We should pray that there will be a number of families join the church so that there is a critical mass so that when other families walk in, they go, oh, there's some of our type here, we'll stay. That's fine, so long as when we ask for that, we're willing to be part of the mission ourselves. We don't delegate the mission in prayer and go, Lord, use somebody else, not me. I'm not an evangelist. Jesus says, now you're to go. You've just prayed for workers. Do you know what, you're the workers. Okay, have we got that straight? In case we think it's somebody else's job, it's your job, my job, but we do need to pray for a couple of families, two or three families, to come in. God can do that, right? Do we believe that? Yes. Hello? Yes. Good. Just checking. They can help us to do mission, but they're not going to do it all, because Jesus sends you and me into the mission field, right? Okay. So this is, the, this is the mission that these poor praying disciples get sent on. So there they are, ask the Lord of the harvest, and then Jesus goes, sends them out, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel as you go preach the message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, so we're the answer to our own prayers then, yes. Be careful of prayer meetings, because you might just be asked to go. In fact, you will be asked to go. All right? Couple of things from this passage that I wanna draw out today. Number one, the compassion of Jesus is the fuel for mission. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. How do you see people? When you go shopping, in Woking, or Guildford, or Kingston, do you just see anonymous faces? When you're sat on the train or on the bus, when you're sat in the cafe or in the pub, do you just see anonymous faces around you? Or do you look into the eyes and faces of people with the compassion of Jesus? Do you know what Jesus saw when he saw people? He saw sheep without a shepherd. He saw broken, hurting, disorientated, lost people without meaning and purpose. Who do you see when you're out and about? Just bodies? Just people in your way? Do you see people who need the Lord? Are you moved in your gut for people who don't know Christ? Do you know that phrase, he had compassion, ...on them. Do you know that in the Greek, that means that Jesus was moved in his guts, his bowels? It's quite visceral language, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever been moved in your gut, the very core of your being. You've had such a a rising of compassion... You've been so moved by a news item or, or the plight of somebody, a friend, that you've been moved in your gut with compassion. You ever had that? You just feel for them from the core, the gut of your being. Well, that was what, that was what Jesus felt when he looked out on the crowds and he saw lost and helpless and harassed people with no hope. He saw the pain, the anguish written across the faces of people. You know, these people were suffering under the oppression of the Roman occupying forces. They were suffering under Pharisees and Jewish leaders who put heavy burdens on them that they couldn't lift, they couldn't fulfill. It was all about legalism and keeping the rules. And these people were excluded from that kind of religion. They were under a burden. Do we feel a burden for people in our family, friends who don't know Christ, who are lost and harassed, helpless, hopeless, like sheep without a shepherd. Um, last, uh, last Friday into Saturday, um, I met up with a group of friends and we stayed overnight in Birmingham because that was about halfway between where everybody's from. They're all, some of them are up from up north, some of them from down south. So we said, Birmingham's in the middle, we'll go there. No, no other reason. I mean, why would you go to Birmingham? <laughs> Sorry, I apologise if anybody's from Birmingham. It's changed, though. I have to say, over the years, it's changed. It's better than it was. I'd known these people since 1987, when I, was, when I did my first university course. So there we were, a bunch of 50-something-year-olds wandering around Birmingham, trying to find places that would let us in. And when you get into your 50s, Places that look trendy and well, no longer are kind of interested in gray hair. They kind of, no mate, sorry, you're not coming in here. Anyway, that's by the by. What I found is this, none of these guys know Jesus Christ. Three of them are divorced. One of them's just suffered pain because he's lost his dad. And they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's what I found. So, as we sat having a whiskey in the pub, which we did, they just kind of poured their hearts out. I don't know it's whether, it, whether it's because I'm a pastor and people think that's my job to whatever. I don't know. I don't care really. I'm just privileged to be able to share my faith. You know, and inevitably we got onto the cost of living crisis and the environment and everything else. What I saw in their faces was just a hopelessness and a helplessness and an anxiety and a fear and an insecurity for the future. There are no human solutions. Even they admitted that. People out there in our community are anxious, they're insecure. And I love it when people say to me, well, what's a Baptist? How's that differ from a Catholic or a, which they did. And I'm able to talk about baptism and the resurrection of Jesus, personal faith and what it means to trust in Jesus. Wonderful stuff, love that. We're able to offer people hope. You see, compassion is the fuel that drives mission. When you see the pain written on people's faces, when you hear their stories, how can we not have compassion? Um, Sometimes people say, well, um, as Christians in the West, we don't wanna cause offense. We don't wanna make people uncomfortable by talking about our faith. Look guys, people are already uncomfortable. (sighs) All right, they're already hurting. They're already experiencing bereavement, where there's no hope for them no hope of eternal life they're already experiencing marital breakdown they're already experiencing kids who've gone off the rails and their family life is falling apart they're already experiencing no center or purpose or meaning in their lives they've already got discomfort they're looking for comfort What's this nonsense about making people feel uncomfortable? Guys, they want comfort. They need hope. They need the gospel. Last time I looked, I don't see a world that's got it all together and is doing well. Do you? Or maybe you're living in a different world to me. My friends are in pain. They're hurting. Their lives are a mess. They need Jesus you got anybody in your life like that? You see, compassion drives our mission. Compassion drives us to our knees in prayer for the family members, the friends, the neighbors who don't know Christ. Quite frankly, we have to get over ourselves about feeling uncomfortable because the world is already feeling uncomfortable and needs hope, needs the gospel. Number two, I need to move on. Mission begins with the power of prayer. Look at verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest. What does he mean? Pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers, and that's you and me. So what are we doing when we're asking the Lord of the harvest to send out mission workers? We're asking that God, by his spirit, would give us boldness, confidence, and help us to overcome our reserve about talking about Jesus. Because I'll tell you, the world is not embarrassed about Jesus. My friends don't know him, but they were desperate to talk about faith. (laughs) I'd have to work hard. I did pray though, before I went. I did say, Holy Spirit, open the door for some conversation with these people. And you know, God loves to answer those prayers. Have you noticed when we're willing to talk about him and we say jesus open a door that i can talk to my friends about jesus oh yes the door opens it's not rocket science but this is what we've got to do we've got to open our mouths because people need jesus so we need to get praying because it's only the holy spirit in the power of the prayer that's going to open doors in people's lives Only the Holy Spirit, through prayer, will cause people in your workplace, your neighbours, your friends, to ask you questions about your faith. Uh, The early church in the book of Acts were first committed to prayer before they went out in mission. In Acts 4, Peter and John had been released from prison for healing the man at the crippled gate, and they were told to keep quiet. And what did they do the first thing they did was join the church prayer meeting and they asked for more boldness and power (laughs) i love that no we're not going to keep quiet we're just going to ask for more power that's kind of anti-british reserve if ever there was one isn't it no we're not staying quiet lord give us more power more opportunities lord now therefore lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You wanna see signs, wonders, miracles, people come into faith, people asking you about Jesus? Pray, pray, get on your knees. God answered in an amazing way. Listen to this, Acts 4.31. This is a prayer meeting I'd wanna be at. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, wow. Do you imagine God shaking the room as you pray? Woo! Later on, we hear in Acts 5, the church continued to grow. Listen to this. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That's a result of the prayer meeting in Acts 4, Right? Dale Bruner, in his commentary on Matthew, sums it up nicely. I quote, when there is prayer, there is mission. When there is little prayer, there is little mission. I couldn't say it better. You know, the reason prayer is effective is that we pray to the one who has overcome the forces of opposition at the cross who has beaten death by rising from the grave who has defeated satan and you know what he's done he's given authority to people like us uh, matthew chapter 28 verse 18 says this all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Holy Spirit promises to be with us to the end of the age. Jesus has delegated authority to you and me to go and make disciples. And do you know what? He's won. He's defeated death, he's risen from the grave, so the mission field is ripe for harvesting. There will be opposition, but Jesus has won out over that opposition. So we should go confidently into Alpha, praying for conversions. We should pray confidently that God would send us people from our community groups who would want to join the church because the victory is won. But the victory is only actioned and activated as we get on our knees and pray the victory in. Do we believe this stuff? Do we believe this stuff, church? Amen.